So good to see you. So good to see family and familiar faces here this evening. I'm so glad that you've joined us here in person and also online in our live stream. Tonight is a special night in the life of our church. It's really a how the sausage is made kind of night. But the good news about this sausage is that it's the jalapeno cheddar kind from Pecan Lodge. It's really good. It's really great. And as John spoke about earlier, it's really wonderful to be able to recognize the calling on someone's life to love and serve and lead. And that's really what it means to be an elder. It's not an age thing. It's a loving, sacrificial, serving kind of thing. So tonight what we're doing is we're going to set two individuals apart for the ministry of elder and pastoral leadership here in our church. So I'm so grateful to do that. For two people that have honestly been members and leaders in this church way longer than I have. And I think that's a good sign. I love this about what's happening tonight. They have both been a source of encouragement to me literally every week for years. They've been a source of encouragement to you all as well. There's a good chance that some of you that have come recently or remember when you first started coming to the neighborhood church, that some of your very first interactions, I would bet my bottom dollar, were with Toby or with Jason. How many of you could raise a hand and speak to that? I'll raise mine. Some of the first lunches and dinners that were had were with Toby and with Jason. What we've seen in their lives is how they've lived into leadership. That's what we say a lot, and that's what Kathy mentioned earlier. We live into leadership. Pastor Bud, who's been an elder in this church longer than I have, who wanted to be here so badly, but is very much going to be in tune with what's happening, either live or on the replay, as he's recovering from that lung transplant and rehab now, by God's grace. Pastor Bud is a pastor in this church, and it's the first church that he's ever been a member in. He came to Jesus, and then he just started running with Jesus. And that's something for a guy that couldn't actually run. No one in this room has ever seen him run, but by God's grace, with this new set of lungs, we're going to see him running in the future. But he came to Jesus, and Jesus so captivated he and Robin and transformed their story that he just started running with Jesus, and he became an elder in this church and has been a stabilizing presence for these many years. I love a church that's able to see these people and say they're living into it. And Toby and Jason, just like Pastor Bud and just like Pastor Kathy when she served as an elder for a few years back, we have these people that are able to not be perfect but be in progress enough to where they're able to put flesh and bones on the kinds of leaders that our neighborhood needs to radiate the love of Jesus to all people. We're an elder-led church. Some of you may have grown up in churches that, whether you knew it or not, were congregationally led. You'd know that if you went to church on a Sunday evening and they presented the budget and they had you all raise a hand and approve it. You may not have known it at that time, but that's a congregationally led church in which a majority vote from the people kind of dictates the direction and decisions of the church structure and organization. And that's fine. We happen to be what's called an elder-led church where there's a plurality of 
called individuals serving in an elder or pastoral role to help lead um, the church in decisions. So we don't take votes, but boy, do we take feedback. And we try to discern and we try to learn what's happening. And at the neighborhood church, we like to say we have an open kitchen concept. Do you know what I'm talking about? I guess I got food on the brain because I'm thinking about Pecan Lodge and open kitchen concepts. But the idea is that everyone can saddle up to uh, the, the counter and look just beyond the kitchen and see people like Toby and Jason sweating and putting together the things and ringing the, the thing and saying, yes, chef, and things like that. I don't know. I just watch reality shows about it. I don't really go to those kind of restaurants. It's an open kitchen concept where not everyone might not make the decisions, but they can certainly look in with some transparency to see how the sauce is made. And that's how we do things here. A team of individuals entrusted to the oversight and care of the church, as we see in the pages of the New Testament, as they're learning to organize this Jesus movement with these people God has called to live like Jesus and lead the people of Jesus. So it's a plurality of voices. It's a plurality of gifts. And in our church, we say that leadership is related to giftedness and character, not gender. It's remarkable that though there are passages for a certain time in a certain place that speak to uh, women and men in the distinct local context, we see the trajectory as one of God including and raising up more and more people based on their giftedness and character and less so about their gender. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find the apostles state clearly anywhere in the earliest documents of the church that the Holy Spirit gives teaching gifts or leadership gifts or prophetic gifts or charismatic gifts depending on people's chromosomes or gender. We see in places like Galatians where there is no more slave or free or Jew or Gentile or male or female. And it's not that those categories don't exist. It means that those categories no longer hold water when it comes to the new kingdom that God is inaugurating and a new kind of order that recognizes the passion and image and spirit of Christ each in each and every person. So that's one of the distinctives, but we stand with many other churches and denominations that see that elders and deacons uh, is related to, that role is related to gifts and character, not gender. Of course, we love and respect our brothers and sisters who may interpret things differently, but that's what we see in the pages of Scripture through the neighborhood church. So with all that being said, and before we hear from Jason and Toby and get down to the business of ordination, I wanted to talk a little bit, because this is a sausages made moment, about what is an elder. What is an elder? You'll see some scriptural references here underneath each of these five key terms used within the New Testament. The word pastor is only used twice in the New Testament, but the word elder is used as a catch-all term and used more frequently for a leader within the church and even dating back to the Jewish tradition that we call the Old Testament. So the first thing you'll see what an elder is, is an overseer. And that's really important because it's not an overlord. What's remarkable about Jesus, and you see this in Philippians 2, 
is instead of using his clout and using his position as a means to exploit people or coerce people or domineer people, he empties himself of all of that so that he might lift up others by coming under them. So this overseeing is not an overlord. It's this balance of Jesus' example of what it looks like to be a shepherd, but that also is always looking out and elevating others. This term and the scriptural reference that Kathy mentioned earlier, like 1 Peter 5, speaks of an overseer not as an overlord, but more like a shepherd who's watching over a flock. A shepherd that makes sure that they're healthy, that makes sure that the sheep are being fed, and that makes sure that the sheep are being led. So an elder is an overseer, both spiritually with the actual people in our journey with Jesus, as well as organizationally, the church as a whole. That's what I mean when I say we're elder-led. There's a plurality of voices helping to guide and shape the direction of our local church. The second thing as to what is an elder, is there a shepherd? Like I just said, and the thing about shepherds is they're with the sheep. There's no such thing as a Zoom shepherd. There's no such, and I mean that in the sense, not a COVID thing. Maybe that's why I should have written this out in my outline. What I mean is there has to be direct contact with the shepherd for the sheep out amongst the flock and in the pasture. They're with the sheep because when you're with people, only then can you love them. When you're with people relating to them, only then can you really care for them and understand their needs. When you're with and amongst the people, and you can also do this on Zoom. I'm still stuck on the Zoom thing. When you're doing this, you can better pray for and support the community that God has entrusted to these folks. The third thing you see, what is an elder? Is a teacher. Whereas a deacon, we say in our church, ministers primarily with his or her hands, an elder ministers primarily with his or her words. But I would amend that and add to that also the way they teach with their lives. Jason and Toby are two of the people that are there at the closed closet, that are there when we're having an event, that are there early and staying late, helping and teaching us what servant leadership looks like. They teach not just with their words, but with their lives. And it's the text that I get from Jason asking, how is my day going? How are things going? What can we be praying for? Putting different neighbors' needs in front of me. And it's when Toby, in her busy work of teaching and facilitating after school things, is always responding back, always having, she's always willing to have these long phone conversations that we have when she's on her way back to Lower Greenville. It's the way that they've made themselves available. This is what it looks like to live into that leadership. And it's the wisdom that they have. And this is why these elders need to be people that are not just available and able to teach, but they're teachable. One of the things that we really need looking forward to the next season of life in the neighborhood church is how we might study and discern and guide through the next phases of whatever happens on the journey ahead. They're going to be able to teach us, but they're also teachable, and that is a rare and beautiful gift. As I just mentioned, we learn from them by this fourth area, and that's as an example. They're not perfect, but there's a progression in the way of Jesus in such a way that we can emulate them in their servant leadership. 
In just a moment, we're going to talk about the process of becoming an elder. And part of that is discerning yourself against the qualifications that we see hinted at in Scripture. And both of them, in different ways, independently talked about, man, I don't know, maybe once on my best day. But the fact of the matter is, though we're not perfect, I think every person in this room can look at these qualifications and say, maybe not 24-7 perfect, but we see a progression and we see this evidence in you. We see transformation in you. We see growth in you. We see grace and love in you. And so that's why we're able to say you are an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives. That's why the biblical teaching on eldership is so focused on character instead of function. We get more of a synopsis and a portrait of a person and less of a job description on how you ought to spend your Monday through Friday work week. That's instructive. That's the kind of people we're looking for. Because ultimately, an elder is also an equipper. And that's the fifth thing. This word to equip had four ancient meanings. The first is to set a bone. The second is similar to that. It's to restore something to its original quality. So to set a bone or to take this broken and busted piece and restore it to its original condition. And then the other two meanings are related as well. To outfit a soldier for battle or fourth, to pack a ship for a journey. Ultimately, these people are to supply, support, and supplement us on the mission ahead. These are the people that are not just caring for the church. They're helping to equip and supplement and supply and support whatever comes ahead. That's why it's so crucial in this season, especially as we've seen Pastor Bud sidelined for a bit, although Bud has prayed for you more in the last four months than he probably has in the last four years as he sits and recovers and longs to be with us again. These are two people that have also been passionate about the next step and the next season, knowing that we got to do this together and it's got to be bathed in prayer. They're excited for the next season. Finally, what's our process? If that's what an elder is, how do you become one? I'll just burn through these quickly. This is a sausage-made moment. We don't talk about this a lot, just like when we had a baptism a few weeks ago. It's great to stop and pause and look at what's happening in the open kitchen. You with me still? What's our process? The first is invitation and discernment. Basically, God calls people. God gifts people what happens when we see it and what happens when we go to that person and say, are we crazy or do you see it too? That's the first step of the process. God calls, God gifts, we see it and we say, hey, what do you think about this? This is something that's been actually a couple years in the making. We've been headed toward this uh, trajectory We just began this process in earnest this past fall. The second piece of the puzzle, after they're invited and discerned, yeah, I see it, we see it. The second bit is qualification. That's that passage of scripture like 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1 that speaks specifically to the characteristics of an elder. We check under the hood and say, how's it going? How's it running? 
and you may not feel like it every day. You may not be perfect, but can we put your life against this litmus test and see enough work there and character there that we can say yes and amen? The third piece of the process is when we have interviews. We talk about those qualifications. We talk about expectations. We talk about what life is going to look like because we're not hiring them right now to full-time jobs. So one of the big pieces of this last process is what does that look like when the last person that went through this process was retired? What does it look like when the person before that was hired? So a lot of that is sorting out what this will look like. Is this something that they want and can give themselves fully to? And of course, the answer is yes in this instance. So we move to the next part of the process, which is presentation to the church. That's that moment. You might remember in the fall, we had a document. We, we put it out there. We put them before the church. We talked about it for a few weeks and said they're in this process. We're presenting them to you. So if there's any reason you feel like these people should not serve at this time, it's time to talk about that. But it's also a time to encourage and pray for them in this season of preparation, which is what they entered into after that presentation, step five, cultivation. That's a fancy word for we were reading a book together. We were processing through the book and church and life and next steps. And we prayed together. We met together. We shared our lives together in a more intentional way than we've already done personally for many years. But it's that season of intentionality. We're cultivating them and exploring what this elder team will look like should they move to the final step of the process. And that's what tonight is, an ordination. We're going to have more on that word ordination later. And you see there on the slide, or commissioning. That's if someone has been ordained a pastor before. And so it's a little bit foggy, and it depends on your tradition and denomination. But we treat, as most churches treat, ordination like baptism. It's a one and done. And so if a person has been ordained as a pastor or elder before... What we're saying with commissioning is we've recognized this role in the past and we're commissioning you into this new space into the future. So tonight what we're doing, though Toby has been ordained as a deacon and Jason had been ordained as a deacon, we're setting them apart. We're ordaining them for the role of pastor or elder. And so a quick final word before we hear from them about what that will look like moving forward. As I mentioned before, they're coming onto this team. They're accepting this responsibility to oversee, shepherd, teach, to be an example and to equip. But what it's going to look like moving forward is that they will be two non-staff elders or pastors. They will be two non-staff elders or pastors. Pastor Bud and I currently are two staff elders or pastors. And so what I need you to understand is that there are four pastors and elders within this church that share the leadership. They are my pastors in just a few moments when we make it official. Bud is my pastor. 
I'll stand before them on an organizational level to have my, some sense talked into me should the need be because they're my pastors. And the way a team like this works, even if there's two non-staff and two staff, is through mutual submission and love. One of the things I love most about Jason and Toby is they don't just encourage me and equip me and help me and help me get unstuck. They tell me the truth. And they speak the truth that's dripping with grace and full of love. And I'm so excited to see how we work together moving forward as an elder team together. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce Toby with some words from Pastor Bud that he sent to me this week. And then we're going to hear a word from Toby about her hope for this church and her time in this process. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to introduce Jason with some words from Pastor Bud. And then we're going to hear a moment from Jason as well. And then I'll have a charge for them, a brief word, and then we'll ordain them at the end of our service. So, Toby, from Bud. Without knowing it, Toby has always been a mentor to me. Since first coming to church, I have been observing her. Toby truly exemplifies someone dedicated to and following Jesus in the world today. She has unlimited energy as an educator, neighborhood group leader, heading up our clothes closet, as well as countless other activities with TNC. But if you're watching, I don't know if you know this, but for the last six months, she's gone to bed at like eight o'clock. She does all that energy. She does all that stuff. And then she crashes to lather, rinse, repeat for the next day. But you know, when she's doing those things, you're right. Energy, energy. I'm so glad that we are forming this elder team, and I know Toby will provide great input moving forward. Toby, I welcome you wholeheartedly to the TNC elder team. Toby, can we have you come and share a word? And church, you can clap or say some love. All right, bud. You're going to make me cry right before I get up here, but at least there was some humor, so thank you for that. Um, I just want to say my hope for our church, and really this goes to everybody in here, everybody watching at home right now, or maybe that's watching later, um, my hope is that we live up to our name, the Neighborhood Church. We were very purposeful as just a general, the big church leadership in that name, and that is always my driving force when I'm thinking about how I'm going to act, what's important, where do I spend my time. I pray that, and I hope that we would live up to our name, that we would love our neighbors, not just in the neighborhood of this church and at The Rock, but that everybody in here would just every day or every month would grow to see everyone as neighbor um, and no one is stranger and no one is enemy. That's a big task. And if that's what we spent the rest of our lives doing, that would be... I think time well spent. Um, I also hope for our church that um, that service, worship, and I don't just mean service at the rock, but service when we're setting up here, when we are cooking meals for Wednesday nights, 
Um, and doing all of those things, the things that happen, the things you have to do, it takes time to do, it takes time to prepare. My hope is that that type of service brings our people so much joy, um, that especially when it's really hard, um, that we would serve with joyful hearts. This has been a hope of mine since we, uh, since I was ordained as a deacon, that our people would love to serve the Lord, that people would want to serve the people in our neighborhood, that they would have a passion for serving the people, especially the people who may seem unlovable. Um, I see this happening in our church. I've seen so much of it over the past few years. And um, I've also seen um, where people maybe aren't feeling joyful, where they're feeling burdened. And so I also hope for our church that if any members feel burdened, if it's too much, that we as elders, we as leaders would be able to see that or that you would be able to be honest with us so that we all carry this burden together so that especially when it's not natural or when you're having a really tough time personally, um, that you're able to not do the thing you're always known for. Um, what's interesting about me, and Adam kind of alluded to it, I do go to bed, I do go to bed at about 8 p.m. every night. I haven't always, but um, this year, this school year has been really hard on me personally um, and physically. There have been real health problems that I've had and some chronic pain issues. And I know that without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without God, without this church, it would have worn me down. There's no way I could have gotten through that. And going to the clothes closet and serving and not having to be the person that makes sure every little thing happens um, is such a joy. I didn't, I have taken a step back in some of the things that I had done previously. Um, when Adam was talking about equipping and this whole year, for me, because time is, is limited when you have a full-time job, um, it wasn't about spending more time doing church stuff. That's not what being an elder is about. And even when you think, oh, being an elder, it's like all the stuff you did and now all this other stuff. And so there was a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion on what does it look like to change. Sometimes God is calling you to something, and sometimes he's calling you to lay something down so that other people can pick it up. And I would love to tell you this story in detail, but I had a very real like supernatural God thing happened to me where I know what God was calling me to do was different than what he had been calling me to do for years. And so I'm still working out exactly what that looks like. So I ask you, church, to pray for me. Um, there's only so many hours in a day. And um, especially if you're going through a health problem, the energy is not quite there. I am feeling the passion, though, um, and I am really excited about this. I think um, people were asking me earlier about being excited. I am really excited. I feel like we already have been doing this. So um, tonight doesn't really mark a big change in how I lived yesterday to tomorrow. Um, but I am excited about the future. Um, I'm also really thankful, Adam, that you are the type of pastor that wants this accountability, that wants this transparency. I know... Um, that that is not easy, and and he loves this church so much, and he loves God so much, and he wants to serve this church. 
um, the way God has called him to lead this church. And so my hope, too, is that this church would have a group of leaders that all serve joyfully. And when one of us is not able to, like Pastor Bud right now, others are there to carry on. Um, And that it is not about one person's giftedness or one person being the smartest um, person in the room. Um, But that God works in each of our hearts. And it's through that that we're able to hear God's voice through that community, through those discussions. Um, I do want to read... I also want to let you guys know that I do pray for you. Um, I've always prayed for the people of this church as God calls me throughout this process. I have been led to call to pray for the whole church. Um, and, um, and it's been a beautiful experience. Um, I've spoken before up here about how prayer has changed me. That just through the act of sitting still before God and listening... My heart's been changed. So that is also a hope for all of you that we would all be changed by God. So I want to end with something I read actually um, when I was up here before um, at the beginning um, of the process or really the middle of the process. And um, this is from Paul. And Paul didn't get to stay and serve with his people. And so in this respect, I'm really glad I'm not Paul. I'm really glad I get to stay in this church for a long period of time and that I get to stay here until God calls me to do something. But I know that that's not happening right now. So I'm really thankful that I'm not being called away like Paul. I'm sure it kind of broke his heart a little bit when he got moved, but he knew what God was calling him to do. So this is from 1 Thessalonians. There's several verses that say something similar to this as he wrote a lot of letters, but this is really what I would say, this is on my heart for our church. These are the words. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then this part particularly is on my heart. Do not quench the spirit. And later on he says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Toby. And now I'll let Pastor Bud introduce Jason, but I also want to give a shout out that I was just sitting here reminded of the fact that our name, 2015 and 2016, was from Jason. So we have Jason to thank, and we have our church, yes and amen, and we have our church to help live up to our name, just as Toby mentioned. Jason Knight. When I think of Jason, I think of respect. Years ago, before our name changed to TNC, The pastors were discussing adding another elder. Jason was the first name I suggested. So I feel it's long overdue that Jason is part of our elder team. He not only lives a Jesus-centered life, he is able to share and coach others. Jason has led our youth ministry flawlessly as he has his neighborhood group. 
Even though about eight years overdue, I'm overjoyed to welcome Jason to the TNC elder team. Jason. Thank you, bud. Love you, brother. All right. I'm going to read something, and I'm taking my phone off of church mode, and now all my ad, like... <laughs> All my apps are like, where have you been? Come look at me. All right. So uh, Adam mentioned this earlier, this passage, and uh, we read it when we met earlier in the week. Um, so yeah, I'm going to read this. It's in Philippians 2. Therefore, if any, excuse me, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being United with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, um... Adam asked that we share a little bit about our hope and, and uh, you know, our vision for the church or our hopes for the church. And, um, you know, that, that passage immediately came to mind, especially from like a few interactions lately I've had with people. Um, I think that we can live a lot of times focused on ourselves and I mean, everybody does that, right? And it's not necessarily vanity. Sometimes it's vanity, but sometimes it's just insecurity. Sometimes it's, you're carrying around stuff and you can't focus on anything else. You have my sister over here who knows every bad decision I've ever made as a teenager and my brother-in-law who's heard every terrible joke I've ever said. And, like, I have enough things to be regretful for. So many of us do. But what if we lean into Jesus so much and are so overwhelmed by his sufficiency that we completely forget about our insufficiencies? You know, what if we lean into his love so much that we stop worrying about earning other people's love because we're just overwhelmed with love. 
The Lord has such a deep love for each one of you and such a deep purpose. Like, I don't care if you have had a relationship with Jesus or haven't, if you've been baptized or haven't, if you've been a Christian for 50 years, it doesn't matter. There is a deeper love and purpose that you have yet to experience. And it's so freeing to be able to lean into that and forget about how you fail and lean into that and forget about living up to something, you know, making your parents proud or your bosses or, you know, being cool in front of other students. It doesn't matter when you're filled with love, when you open yourself up to that. And I think if we just do that as a church, have a season of doing that, then how much love can we then share with others and help others find that safe place where they no longer feel they have to live up to those things, but they can be themselves. I think Jesus is ready to walk us outside our comfort zones, outside our maybe theological comfort zones. Who knows? There are places that we can go as a group to truly bless this neighborhood that we, we haven't seen an experience yet. So that's, uh, that's what's been on my mind and thoughts for this church. So what is ordination? Simply put, it's setting apart someone for a specific ministry or task. The question then becomes not, am I called to ministry? Because in a sense, everyone is called to ministry, to serve others, to love God, to work in this world for God's kingdom. But then the question becomes, okay, to which ministry am I called? And if the answer to that question becomes a deacon or a pastor, elder, then that's when ordination comes into play. We're setting you apart. We're recognizing this call. And so that's why you see on this slide here, this idea of saying this person has been called from above in the sense that God has done something to call them into this role, but then it gets affirmed below. And that means affirmed by the people here on earth. So this calling of heaven gets affirmed by the church, the people here on earth. And it's signified by this ancient tradition that you'll see in just a few moments while, the, while they come and sing in a moment, is a few people are going to come and lay hands on their shoulders and pray a pr- prayer of blessing and commissioning over them. It's an ancient practice that at once um, signifies the impartation of this calling and gift and Holy Spirit. And it also signifies a consecration. We're consecrating, setting apart this person right here, this transfer of love and goodness and affirmation to say this person has a special mission or office or service in this moment and in this place and time. So we'll talk more about this in a moment when it comes time for the laying on of hands. That's a time for other persons that have been ordained as a deacon or a pastor to come and put hands and pray for them. That will come a time here in just a moment. That's what ordination is. So before that happens, I want to say one last final word that's a charge to the two of you, Toby and Jason. 
In the late 1300s, an anonymous monk wrote this book called The Cloud of Unknowing. The late 1300s, he's writing this book to his student or his disciple. It's a series of letters. A lot of these ancient books are written in this way, from me to you writing these letters. But when it was written matters. It was written during a pandemic. (laughs) It was written during the bubonic plague. So it was a time of isolation and darkness and fear. When it was written is also a time when the war between England and France was going on. So it was written during a pandemic and it was written during a war. Another time of disorientation, darkness, and fear. It was a time when a lot of people stepped up to tell others how to get out of it, how to fix it, how to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And here this anonymous monk who for centuries has remained that way writes these words that you've seen now on your screen. Live up to your high calling by lowering yourself. Yes, it's dark. Yes, it's uncertain. Yes, your friends and family are in fear or sick or dying. And it's also a time in the 1300s in England where someone declared that charity is dead. There's too much fear, there's too much darkness, there's too much destruction. And he writes to his young charge, no, 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 charity's not dead. You live up to your high calling as a shepherd of God's people by lowering yourself. And what he says in that paragraph was that you were not called to this because you were more special. You were just simply called to this because the shepherd called you. And he's called you to a flock first as a shepherd under the chief shepherd, like we read about in 1 Peter 5. So the idea of lowering yourself is to first say, I ain't the main character. It ain't all about me. I ain't the only shepherd. And that's good news. The anonymous author says, you're another sheep that he's feeding in this garden, in this flock. So in this sense, lower yourself, take the pressure off. You can't solve all the darkness. You can't solve all the fear. That's okay. So just lower yourself and understand that you can be cared for by your shepherd as well. But it's not just the lowering yourself First to the shepherd, it's also lowering yourself through service to others. In a time where someone declared charity dead, lower yourself and your needs and your comfort to go to the neighbors that need you to impart the love and goodness and charity of God. Toby, if there is one word that has been resonating with me about you lately, it's clarity. You have a clear sense of who you are, and who your neighbor is. And the answer is clear to you every person you encounter. Every person that you encounter uh, at the rock or at school or in your comings and goings from Lower Greenville all the way up here to Garland is a neighbor to be loved, a stranger that's not yet brother or sister. And I saw this even this past week when a woman that you saw at the clothes closet came into the rock and talked about how she was able to tell you and process through the death of her precious grandson. And I was able to tell her, yeah, Toby told me already. I'm so sorry to hear that. You have a clarity about who is neighbor and who is worthy of love. 
Jason, if there's a word that's resonated lately for me, it's generosity. You have a generosity of spirit and time, and the way that you sit with others is unhurried. We sat in your house for four hours the other night, and you were unhurried. Becky, I don't know. I'm just kidding. What's remarkable is how Becky and Jason work together that gets things done in such a way that is always generous of their time. The amount of time that Becky has given to this church just in the last three months is unbelievable. And then her generosity of giving Jason even in a more intentional way to this church is commendable and it shows the generosity that they have with one another to be who God has made each of them to be. Jason has a generosity with our neighbors as well, a generosity of his time, of his presence. He's always willing to share resources and time, whether it's with students or with others or with his literal neighbors or geographical neighbors. So Toby, a clarity about what God has called you and who God has made you and who God has made you to love. And Jason, your generosity to others, it makes me feel like this quote, I'll paraphrase from Rachel Held Evans. She says, the, the offense of the gospel is not who it lets out, but who it lets in. And the two of you have taught me in the last seven or eight years, just how wide and deep and long is the love of God for myself and for others. The gospel that really is good news that all people are welcome to come and you want them to so badly. And I'll tell you, it's a rare and beautiful gift that whatever steps lay ahead, we get to walk with two of my dearest and best friends that I've ever had. And the bark that you've left on my life, in the long phone conversations, and the really late nights, laughing, but also loving and being loved, in a time when I was becoming an elder in this church where I didn't think we were going to make it. And you both did. And what's remarkable is that both of you have walked through dark seasons of doubt and denial and worry and wonder and depression. But you're both standing here because God has been faithful and you've been faithful too. You've been faithful to keep showing up even when you didn't want to, even when it was hard. And that has left a mark on my life and it's left a mark on every person here and even those that you've only interacted with once or twice. It's the generosity and clarity of being loved and loving others that has left an indelible mark in our city and in our neighborhood and in this community. So continue to live up to your high calling by lowering yourself. You will live up to this calling when you shepherd under Christ to lead and feed us because you've been led and you've been fed as well. To listen in Christ, to listen to God and to listen to us for next steps in the way ahead when we're uncertain. To live like Christ so we can follow Jesus together, not perfectly, but in a progress toward greater love and generosity and clarity. 
to pray through Christ, knowing that it ain't all up to you, that his power and presence is with us as you've reminded us faithfully to lead us to Christ so that we can keep our face fixed on him and our feet pointed in his direction so we can keep the main thing the main thing and keep Christ at the center of our church and in our community. And finally, to love like Christ so our church can move deeper into love with God and further out into love of neighbor because that's the good news that you've declared and demonstrated. So keep on. I'd like to close with this prayer from Pastor Bud. It's another old prayer, this one from St. Augustine. O Lord Jesus Christ, good shepherd of your people and our great high priest, standing before God on our behalf, pour out your blessing on Jason and Toby that they may serve you as faithful stewards of the sacraments of grace effective witnesses to the gospel and as conscientious elders to the neighborhood church. That your church may be strengthened and equipped for its mission through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. So at this time, I'd like to invite John and Lynette to come and lead us in a song. And while they're singing, It'll be an opportunity for you to sit and sing and use these words as your prayer for them. So as they're playing and singing, I'm going to invite Jason and Toby to also come forward and you will sit here in these chairs. And this is an opportunity for just ordained persons to come and lay hands upon them to pray in turn in their ear this, remember, is a prayer that signifies that impartation and consecration that we now know as ordination, as they live up to their high calling by lowering themselves. So at this time, feel free to sing, to respond, to be in prayer where you are, as we invite those who have been ordained to come, make your way here, and take turns laying hands and praying over each of these. Please continue to encourage them in the next steps and let us say a brief word of prayer. Then I have a couple announcements. Thanks for sticking around and um, then we'll receive our benediction. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for who you are and what you've done and what you are making of us. We just ask that you would bless Jason and Toby immeasurably more than all they can ask or imagine, that you would turn them loose to be who they are in you and to help to equip them as they equip us and lead us by their prayer, example, life, and words. Please bless and keep them now and each step of the journey ahead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. amen. We journey with Jesus during this Lenten season with the certain hope that he will recreate our world so that all people will live in peace and justice. May God call out of the wilderness of apathy and help us to reach to those who do not know hope, community, or love. May we all live up to our high calling by lowering ourselves under the yoke of Christ, finding that the way ahead is marked by mercy. Go now into a world waiting to be recreated in the power and promise that Easter will bring.